Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What's going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. And here we are back on a Monday night. After the fantastic weekend we had at DC Fandom, our virtual Comic-Con of DC Comics. Now, first of all, I have to say that I really hope that you guys were able to enjoy yourself as much as I did. I literally saw everything from the beginning all the way to the end. And the funny thing is, is the fact that not only did I have to re-watch a lot of the stuff because I was at work during Saturday while it was going on, but as soon as I came home and I started from the Justice League Snyder Cut all the way down, I thought to myself, you know what, let me just re-watch the entire thing from start all the way to finish. It literally took me from that time all the way to restart everything and then finish at 5 o'clock Sunday morning, even though I had to get up for work the very next day. But if that's not true dedication in being a fan of comic book shit going on, I don't know what is. Still, nevertheless, I enjoyed myself tremendously, and I really hope you guys did too. This episode of the podcast will be DC Fandom The Aftermath. So we will talk about anything and everything with the 10 main uh, points that happen in, in terms given to us from Wonder Woman to Batman and everything else. And of course, the main event. Oh my god. The main event of the evening. We're going to talk about that in due time. All that plus our supervillain quote of the day. And of course, like we always do about this time, let's get our shout outs out of the way, shall we? I'm so lame. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know why I do that. I don't know why I do that sound. This shout-out goes to the main producers and directors that have given us DC FanDome. First of all, as a fan, as a comic book fan, as, as someone that loves comic books, that loves art, that loves everything from the design to the watchtower and, and, and the questions and, and, and the panels and the interviews, the trailers, everything else, to the ones at DC FanDome, thank you so much for so, per, getting tongue-tied here. Thank you so much for providing all of that content for us as fans. Because without you guys, we would not have our entertainment in terms of the dire shit that's been going on in the outside world with COVID and, and, and the shootings and the deaths and everything else. This was a time that we actually needed for, for us to actually, you know, just be good. To just just have fun and, and not worry about everything else. 24 hours, watching it three times, it was spectacular in every single aspect. And I can't wait for it to continue on September 12th, which is literally in two weeks. September 12th, the second half of DC FanDome will be returning. Only this time, it will focus mainly on the television shows from the CW Arrowverse to Doom Patrol to Stargirl and everything else that happens that was not was that was not projected in front of us. So once again, 
from, I'm sure I speak for every single one of these fans, to DC Fandom, to everyone, to Jim Lee, to the producers and the directors at DC Entertainment and DC Comics and Warner Max and everybody else. Thank you so much for providing that day. It is a night, it is a day and a night that we will never ever forget. That's all we got for the shoutouts. Let's dive it in and let's talk some DC fandom and we'll start with Wonder Woman 1984. That comes up right in a bit. So like anything else, we are going to start from the top all the way down to the main event. Now, I just want to say in retrospect that I do apologize if there are certain panels that I am not going to mention tonight because there was just so much stuff that was given to us. I'm pretty much going to talk about the 10 main points. I'm going to list them from in order from the beginning all the way till now. And Wonder Woman 1984, we're going to start with her. For one thing, I really enjoyed this panel. Now, I did say that I did not want to watch another trailer after the first trailer that was given to us months ago. But you know what? It was Comic-Con to me. It was DC Fandom. And at this point, I knew that I had to watch as much as I could everything. And it was fantastic. You know, I, I get it. I get it. I broke my I broke my one rule. I, I can't help it. I, I fucking loved it. I loved watching and seeing Linda Carter again. Now, for those of you that don't know who Linda Carter was, basically the first Wonder Woman from 1975 all the way to 1979. Do I have those? Yep, I have those. I have it in my notes. Uh, I have those marks written down. And uh, it was great seeing her again because she literally paved the way from every Wonder Woman that came after. From... You know, Gal Gadot, uh, you know, you got the, the voice actress from the animated series, the Just League animated series. I'm mad at myself that I can't remember her name. Um, I want to say Rose. It's not Rosenberg. It's not Rosenberg. It, hopefully, I'll get to remember later on. But from her to Gal Gadot and everybody else has ever been Wonder Woman through animated, live action or whichever the case, even though there's only been a couple. Wonder Woman has been very spectacular because a feminist superhero, yes, but the difference is she actually inspires hope and strength and battle and, and you know, and you know what it means to be strong and what it means to do the right thing. And next year it is her 80th anniversary. 80th anniversary. Holy shit, son. Holy god damn. And like many people, I watched the trailer. I watched the trailer for the new trailer for Wonder Woman 1984, and I thought it was very promising. You know, Kristen Wiig, her character has some kind of vendetta. She has some kind of jealousy or envy or hatred towards, you know, Wonder Woman's character. And she turns herself into the cheetah. And I have to say, that CGI cat, way better than the cat's movie we gotten. I'm going to tell you that right now. 
I know some people are going to have their their picks and they have their, you know, their intricate little stuff. But it was way better than the fucking Cats movie that we gotten. So let me just reiterate that right then and there. Wonder Woman 1984. Can't wait for it to come out. But one thing, before I continue on, one thing I do want to discuss. It did say in every, in every one of these trailers, only in theaters. Which means that they're going to release more and more movies after this one that's coming this weekend, which I will talk about after the ending of the show. So, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see what happens. Wonder Woman 1984, can't wait to see it. Let's move on. Coming at number two, we got Warner Brother Montreal Games. They made the announcement that the next game from them will be and is Gotham Knights. Holy shit, me being a huge Batman fan and a big gamer that I am, sort of. Me being a gamer that I am, the fact that you can actually play as any one of these successors and any one of these protégés from Batman, from Batgirl to Robin, Nightwing, and Red Hood, you can actually play as one of the characters. You can customize them in any way you want. You know, they're going to have suits. They're going to they're gonna have special skins, hopefully, that you get to unlock. And you can actually play as one of these other characters that if you resonate with them or if you feel, you know, a sh- uh, strong bond with them, that you can actually be one of them yourself. There is one thing that I found a huge problem with. As I was watching the trailer, the game trailer, and I was watching the gameplay, I thought to myself right away, why does this look so different from the Arkham games? I get it, Rocksteady in a particular way had nothing to do with this, but why does this game look so different in terms of tone or in terms of style or in terms of graphics? Like, everything, there, there, there's something about the game changed. And there were a couple of points, you know, since I pay attention to detail, where in the trailer, Bruce Wayne, supposedly dead, he says, you know... Things have never been the same ever since Jim Gordon died. But in Arkham Knight, he survived. And, you know, Barbara Gordon is standing up, but she was in the wheelchair. Now, I get it in many cases, and in the comics, she was paralyzed at, you know, one point in her life, and she was able to get over that paralysis, so that's not really a good detail to go on. But I just kept thinking to myself, why is this, why does this look so different? So I did my digging, and I did my research. And it turns out, this game is not, and I can understand it's going to piss off a lot of people, this game is not a sequel to Arkham Knight. This game is its own identity. It's its own thing. It's its its own game. And uh, in a way, you kind of feel a little bummed out about that because they're going off with the supposed death of Bruce Wayne And Arkham Knight ended with the supposed death of Bruce Wayne. So, what the hell is going on here? And, you know, like I said, the characters, they don't look the same as their Arkham game counterparts. Turns out, Gotham Knights does not take place within the same universe as Arkham. It it is not within the Arkham universe whatsoever. It's its own thing. Now, I can understand that's going to piss off a lot of people. I can understand that's going to make some people, you know drastically bummed out about it, but 
the way how I see it, and this is my interpretation, my opinion, so however you see fit, this is how I see it. I believe that because the Arkham games, from Asylum to The City to Origins and to Night, these games is the core foundation that's centered around Batman himself. That when you play these games, you are the Batman. You have to be the Batman. You have to be that guy. And with this game being its own thing, it only makes sense for you to step out of the shadows of Batman and actually become someone new. Someone that you can, again, as I said earlier, relate to, resonate with, that you can actually build your character as much as you can, whoever you choose. Now for me, on a personal level, I would choose Tim Drake Robin. I get it, I get it. Red Hood is very badass and Nightwing is the original and Batgirl is as, bad, as badass as she is. I get it. But for some reason, out of the four main Robins, six if you include Stephanie Brown and Carrie Kelly, I resonate more with Tim Drake, one, because he's the smartest out of all the Robins, and two, I think he's the only one that really gets pushed by Batman. No, I'm sorry. He is the only one that gets pushed by Batman so much more than the other Robins because of what happened to them. And I don't know. I, I've, I've always been a fan of Tim Drake's Robin. I, I guess it was because from the animated series and, you know, the comics books that I've read and everything else. But I really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed Tim Drake's Robin. Nevertheless, whoever you choose is completely up to you. Gotham Knights, I can't wait for the game to come out next year. And of course, it will feature the Court of Owls. Beware the court. Fucking hell. Court of Owls. I can't motherfucking wait. Holy shit. Let's move on, shall we? Number three, we have The Flash. They might as well call it Flashpoint at this at this time. They they might we, we know the premise. We know what's going to happen. We've seen the Flashpoint paradox, the animated movie from 2013. We know what this movie is going to entail. It's going to feature Michael Keaton. It's going to feature Ben Affleck. It's going to feature all these other Batman. We know this already. But the picture and the suit that the Flash is going to get from Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne's Batman, oof. Oh man, oh, look! It looks awesome. It looks gorgeous. Even though in the picture it looks like a silhouette type of thing, and they want to do that to tease us a little bit more, that's fine. I get it. I completely understand. You know what though? I have to say that I did enjoy that he's actually drawing inspiration of the smoother suit from. Uh, sorry if I'm uh, mispronouncing his name, Rupert Grint. Rupert Grint's uh, Flash from the CW show. For many that don't know, I'm sure you already know this already, but for many that doesn't know, Ezra Miller's Flash met up with Rupert's Flash, and he, he you know, they improvised and they, they said it. They were like, oh, it's breathable, it's, you know, it's comfortable, you know, smooth. And I'm sure he drew inspiration from that. And the fact that he's actually calling himself the Flash. After getting the name The Flash from the CW Flash, you know, it was already confirmed by the directors and the people in charge 
that that's canon. That's actually canon to the, you know, for him to actually go forward. And I thought that was a tremendous Easter egg. I thought that that was actually great for him to acknowledge himself as the Flash and then just build himself up right after that. Can't wait for the Flash movie. I think it's going to be awesome. I I love movies when it involves time travel, even though time travel does not really work very, very well. We know this already. But, nevertheless, I'm excited to see Michael Keaton's Batman. I'm excited. I... Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about it now. Please, please give us a Batman Beyond suit. A real-life version of Batman Beyond. Please. Comic book gods, please give us what we want. Give us the Batman Beyond. Anyway, moving on. Number four, we have the Suicide Squad. Wow, what an ensemble, what a cast, what a crew. First of all, I just want to say we finally know what Idris Elba is going to be. We finally know who the other characters will other be. First of all, I know I'm not going to name every single one of them, but we got Margot Robbie. We got Sean Gunn. We got Jai Courtney. We got Idris Elba. We got John Cena. We got all these other motherfuckers. We got Michael Rucker. Always a pleasure to see him and watch him perform. Always. You know, we got all these other guys and we have, we got a bunch of names that I don't even remember and recognize. But you know what? It don't matter because we have this amazing crew and ensemble and everybody else. And from the trailer that was given to us by James Gunn, because he did say that he has way more editing to do for the upcoming film to finally be released in its entirety. Explosions, all the boom, 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 boom and motherfucking boom. They got all of that, and then you got, you know, you got the special effects team, and then you got, I wouldn't say special effects, but you got the practical effects, hopefully. You know, you got explosions, you got, you know, mayhem, and you got all this, you got fucking, it just remembered off the top of my head. You know, you got the shark dude. Fucking big shark. I can't remember his name. I'm sure it'll come to me, you know. Um... You you got all these characters, and I can't wait to see the movie. Here's my main concern. Here is my main concern. The problem is, when you have a movie that centers around this entire cast, from a normal runtime of 90 minutes to 2 hours and over, there's only so much that you can dedicate as a linear story for us to even care about the characters as a whole. This is why Guardians of the Galaxy worked very, very well. Because the movie only centered around five characters. And then as part two and part three is going to come out very, hopefully, in the next couple of years, it's going to build. And it's going to build and you can actually go through character progression, character development, uh, character motivation... Uh, a completing arc for each character. Ooh, really? Oh, there we go. Bang the, bang the microphone. Uh, character arc from the beginning all the way to the end. Like, you can actually see and it makes the audience, like ourselves, care so much about these characters 
if the story is told to a certain degree. And it's not that I'm doubting James Gunn's action in terms of making this film. It's just with so many characters and so many actors playing them, we can only work with so much. Now, I'm pretty sure not every one of them is going to have a strong character development. Of course not. It's nearly impossible to do that, you know, in a two-hour film or more. But I'm interested to see what the main storyline is going to be. And hopefully a lot of these characters are not fodder or filler. I hope these a lot of these characters are not um, easy ones to just pick off. You know what I mean? Like, give them some type of justice and then I'll be happy. Can't wait to see the movie. James Gunn is a phenomenal director. Marvel, y'all fucked up. That's all I gotta say. Y'all fucked up. Moving on. We got the Snyder Cut. Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Now, what do I have to say that has not been said already? This one, I'm probably going to nitpick. No, I wouldn't say nitpick, but go through really quick. The one thing that really surprised me about watching this trailer... No, even before the trailer even started... Zack Snyder said that there's going to be four one-hour miniseries. Very similar to It Chapter 2 from like the 90s and early 2000s. Or was that the 80s? Way back then. And... uh, I really don't have a problem with this. I can understand some people are like, why not make it into a four-hour film? But the thing is, you really... I don't think anyone can truly muster the fact that they can sit for a four-hour film. I don't think that's ever happened. You can kind of make the same argument or a different argument with the Titanic. You can kind of make the argument with the Irishman on Netflix. You can make make those arguments, but... With all of the detail and all of the bonus scenes and everything that's been cut out from the first Justice League from three years ago, and we can actually see Zack Snyder's true vision, it makes sense that this happens. Because you can actually give yourself a break and you can actually see what has worked and what hasn't. You know, and there were a lot of Easter eggs that was presented in this trailer. For one thing, you can we can actually see a good natural development with uh, Cyborg's character. We actually see the Flash saving Iris West, his future wife, you know? We actually see that, you know, Steppenwolf, he looks very, he looks demonic, as he's supposed to. You have another character, his name is Dasad, or whatever the fuck he is. Darkseid, CGI Darkseid, but Darkseid nonetheless. And he looks like he's going to fuck some shit up. This brings to my point that I keep on reiterating over and over, and it's like I'm beating a dead horse to a bloody pulp here. What are they going to do after this is over? Are they going to make a Justice League Part 2? Are they going to ensure that Darkseid comes in full flesh mode and everyone is going to fight against him? Like, what is going to be the future of the DCEU if this succeeds to our expectations we don't know for sure and I don't think Zack Snyder really answered those questions or at least I don't think anyone have actually asked him those questions in terms of what's next what can we look forward to after the Snyder Cut is done and over with next year for HBO Max so what's next after that time will tell 
Time will tell, and we're gonna wait and see what happens. Uh, what else I liked about you know I again we've seen the movie already, so it's gonna be very interesting to look at what what could have been, you know. Um, I thought it was very interesting that they incorporated the Hallelujah song, which Zack Snyder did say that two years ago they decided on that Hallelujah song. And I believe they used the same thing for the Watchmen movie, where something bad happens, and it's supposed to be dark and depressing, and then for some odd reason, you always have some kind of praising gospel song where, It's a covenant, run and hallelujah, hallelujah. And, and I'm like, okay, sure, why not? You know, you're the director. You got your marketing thing, whatever it is, what it is. Justice League Zack Snyder, next year, HBO Max, it's coming right to ya. Moving on. Black Adam. Hmm. Wow. You know, before I saw this panel, I did not really think very highly of Black Adam. I think I did say you know, in the last episode or the ones previous where I didn't really think too much about him because I was never really a fan of him. And then after seeing the pictures of The Rock and, and, and the concept arts of The Rock in his Black Adam suit, I'm like, oh, now I'm interested. Now I'm intrigued. Because one thing about Black Adam, in addition of him being a villain to Shazam, he's a dictator. He's a ruler. He is it's his way or no way. And you know, he's hero, villain and anti-hero, whatever you portray him to be. And I think what what's all was what getting tongue-tied here. What was very frustrating that okay, sorry. Let me rephrase that. What I just said cuz I'm getting a little tongue-tied here, okay? So there were a lot of key moments that I thought that were very pleasant and kind of frustrating at the same time. Here's the pleasant thing. The JSA, another JSA, the New Justice Society of America, where you're going to have Dr. Fate, you're going to have Hawkman, you're going to have Adam Smasher, and you're going to have Cyclone. The Cyclone thing really bothered me because it was originally supposed to be Hawkgirl, but for some odd reason... Either Warner Brothers or whoever is in charge basically replaced her with a lesser known hero like Cyclone. Because I don't know anything about Cyclone. I, I will admit, with the knowledge that I have on comic books and such, I don't I know I don't know anything about Cyclone. I really don't. I'm sure I'm gonna know more about her later on. I don't know shit. So it kind of bummed me out that Hawkgirl is not going to be in this film or in maybe in this film right now. Maybe The Rock will actually tell us more about what went on behind the scenes with that. Time will tell. It is what it is. I love the concept art. I'm excited to see where The Rock is going to take this character with. I'm excited to see um, him face off against Zachary Levi's Shazam. Because I think that's going to be a phenomenal fight. Uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I Maybe one day... And this is probably the previous WWE fan within myself. I want to see Shazam and The Rock with John Cena somewhere in the background. 
I, I don't know. They have history. The Rock and John Cena, obviously, from WrestleMania all those years ago. They have history. WWE, guys, it is what it is. That's that's just me. I'm a previous WWE fan. Previous. I don't watch it anymore, so it is what it is. Moving on. We got... Aquaman. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. Um, It was great to see James Wan again. It was great to see, you know, the panel of what he, what led him in terms of making the film uh, with the character uh, from Ocean Master, which they did say that Ocean Master is going to come back for this, for part two. There's one thing I noticed, though. Throughout the entire panel and the discussion and everything else, there was not question or mention in any way about Amber Heard. And if there was, I completely missed it. But I tried going on Google and going on comicbook.com and going on all these other sites. Not one mention is on Amber Heard. Not one. And like I said before, Amber Heard is in deep, deep shit right now because of her domestic violence against Johnny Depp at the beginning of the year. So chances are Warner Brothers is like, "Mm, no, fuck that. No, get someone else. You're out. You're, You're done. We cannot have this. It's going to look bad on us if we're going to... It is going to look bad on Warner if they do keep Amber Heard. Always going to look tremendously bad. Granted, she is a female, yes. And I understand some people, not all, but some people don't take domestic violence seriously when a woman does it to a man. Again, no such thing as equality. It's a concept to me that does not exist because things are always viewed differently. It should be enforced, but it doesn't. It's going to look so badly on them if they continue with Amber Heard being Mira and, you know, continuing to stay within the within any project in this magnitude. If they do replace Mira, who would they who would it be? Who would be a perfect replacement? I could see Amelia Clark doing it. Maybe I don't know. I, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Someone that can be maybe a natural redhead. Kristen Stewart? Nah, no way. Uh, How about... I don't know. We can go on and on about this. But the point of the matter is this. There was no mentioning about Amber Heard and we don't know what her fate is going to lie within Aquaman 2. I guess with James Wan... <clears throat> I guess with James Wan, we're going to see what happens right after. So that's about it. I enjoyed seeing the panel. It was great to see the, you know, the the special effects again and how and that's another thing about the special effects on 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 how they they utilized a harness on on uh uh Dolph Lundgren, Lundgren's character and and how he would just move around and they would have like a like a pulley or something and he would just move around like this where he's literally underwater. He's like you know, it was moving like this, and I'm like, that that was actually pretty brilliant. Like, and everyone is in blue. Everyone is in dark blue. You know, if I ever work for a visuals team or like a visual effects team or special effects team and CGI and everything else, I'm just gonna be blown away with how much work and dedication they have to do to bring a movie like that to life with the budget and the timing and everything else. I mean, hell, it took a long time for Avengers Endgame to have the stuff that they needed done. So, 
I would be amazed as to how uh, things like things like that would be. Moving on, we have a couple more, and I know we're a little bit over the time. We're a little bit over 30 minutes, but like I said, this was going to be a long one regardless. Moving on, we got... Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods. That is the official name or the subheaded name to the Shazam movie. Uh, I'm not going to speak too highly about it. Um, it was it was one of the panels that I really didn't pay too deep interested in. I did like the movie. Like, don't get me wrong. I did like the movie. But I thought, you know what? I, I would like to see part two. I would like to see part two. I would like to see where they're going to go with Shazam and his characters. Especially when it has something to do with the gods. An interesting cameo. Sinbad is going to be in this movie too. Fucking hell, when was the last time you've seen Sinbad? From early 2000s? Late 90s? Holy shit. It's been a very long time since I've seen Sinbad. Huh. I wonder if he's going to play one of the gods. I think he is going to play one of the gods. Who, you know, it can't be Zeus, obviously. Hercules? No. Mercury? No. Hmm. I wonder who. Maybe you can jot down in the comments below and who you think, if he, if Sinbad is going to be a member of the gods, who would it be? Maybe let me know in the comments below. Anyway, let's move on. The Suicide Squad game. Now, unlike Gotham Knights, this game is taking place in the Arkham Universe. It's been developed by Rocksteady Studios, which means the graphics are crisp and clear and it is going to be butt fucking action. You got Deadshot, you got Captain Boomerang, you got Harley Quinn, and you got the Shark Dude. I can't believe I can't remember his fucking name off the top of my head. King Shark, Jesus Christ, there we go. Some fan I am. King Shark, King Shark is a shark. And... And here's something I didn't know. He's voiced by Samoa Joe. King Shark uh, in that game is voiced by Samoa Joe from the WWE slash former TNA guy. And I'm like, oh shit. Holy shit, he's in a video game. Samoa Joe. Alrighty. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. Now, I'm hoping that I, you know, I did read reviews on that. I did read reports. I'm hoping that's not a lie. I'm sure it's not. But So we got the Suicide Squad kill the Justice League. And the trailer was phenomenal. You know, everyone is like looming around and it's a, it's like a post-apocalyptic. Not a post-apocalyptic, but the city of Metropolis is completely destroyed. And they're tasked to, to take down the one guy to take down Superman. <laughs> anyway... Has to take down Superman. You see Superman with his purple eyes, which means he's most likely controlled. He is most likely controlled, but by who and why? We're gonna have to play the games to find out. The thing that sucks is it's a next gen game, which means it's gonna be for the new Xbox and the PS5 and Windows. I don't know what the fuck it is, but Suicide Squad, I'm sorry, The Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. That is the official title for the game. If you have not seen the trailer, 
fucking watch the trailer. You are going to love it. You're going to love it. And before we move on to the main event, I do want to point this out though. If this game is taking place during the Arkham universe, around when? Because if it's a sequel to Arkham Knight, does that mean Batman is alive? Because it does say kill the Justice League. We know Batman is part of the Justice League. Or does the Justice League have nothing to do with Batman on this one? Or maybe this takes place during the Arkham storylines and not really a direct sequel to Arkham Knight. I got my skeptical hippo eyes open. You know, I'm just saying. Quote Brendan Shaw, by the way. I'm just saying, you know, there's, that's a little detail to pay attention to. Anyway, let's move on to the main event of the evening. The Batman. Where do I start with this? Where do I start with it? First of all, the one of the best trailers Comic Con I think has ever brought in in my in my entire life. I I could talk numerous amounts of what I loved. Oh my goodness! But first of all, the dark gritty tone, and then you got the Nirvana song. You know something in the way, and you got Robert Pattinson. First of all, fuck the Twilight movies. If you guys are still hung up on Twilight and you're not taking him seriously because of the Twilight movies, shame on you. Okay, shame on you. He grew up from those movies. He despises those movies now. He is the fucking Batman, my guy. Dude, from the greediness to the tone and the song and the scene that that shot when he's just he's angry and he's beating up this this he looks like this guy looks like a Joker dude. Like they look like Joker thugs, which means I'm wondering if the Joker is in this movie in some way. Wouldn't it be very interesting if somehow the Joker from the previous film would actually be in this? Like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker would be in this movie, maybe in a future film? That would be epic. That that would be interesting. In a, in any case, you know, the again, and, and the, the Batmobile looks like a, a right-out, pimped-out Mustang. And what I love about this trailer so much... It is a completely different Batman from what we're used to. I understand a lot of people are sick of Batman being shoved in their throats. And I said it. Batman is Warner Brothers' cash cow. They are going to milk that motherfucker until the wheels fall off. And that's that's just what it is. It is what it is. Now what makes this Batman to me very different is... In this Batman, he's not in his prime yet. It is dark and gritty like the Christopher Nolan films, but the difference between them and this is the fact that Christian Bale's Batman quickly got into his prime. Quickly. Like, he knew what to do right away with all the gizmos and gadgets and the cowl and the cape and doing everything that he could. Not to mention he had years of training and the timeline, even though it was in the span of one movie, he knew what he was doing. In this film, in this trailer... He looks humanistic. I, I don't want to say humanistic. Like, that's not the word. He looks flawed. He looks 
aside from emo, he looks damaged. Like, he looks like he's trying to find his footing because I think this is like year one and a half or year two in the Batman's life, which means he's just getting into this role. He's still trying to figure things out. He's still trying to find his moral guidelines. At least that's what I got from the trailer. Aside from that, you got the Riddler that's going to be in it. You got the Penguin by Colin Farrell, and he's going to be in it. Catwoman by, I believe, um, it's Zoe Kravitz. I believe that's her name, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you know, yeah, and something that it, and like I said, like I said, if I did forget her name, I deeply apologize. I had no idea she was Jason Momoa's stepdaughter. There was literally a news thing that came out that said, oh yeah, this is Jason Momoa's stepdaughter. I'm like, oh shit, huh, what a family, what a family. Anyway, the trailer was beyond epic and awesome, and I'm going to continue to say it. I can't wait. Remember, this is only 25% done, and everything had to be halted because of COVID, which means once Matt Reeves get back into the grooves again with Robert Pattinson and with everybody else, dude, I I know I'm overhyping the shit out of this, and I know from history that we've had great trailers and shitty movies, or vice versa. I get it. I get it. I get it. You know, we want to wait and see what happens, but I can't help it. The trailer was fucking awesome. And the fact that he was just beating up that, that guy to a bloody pulp for a good 60 seconds. And he didn't even have to say, I'm Batman. He just said, I'm vengeance. And... He is using the Christopher, you know, not Christopher, um, the Christian Bale, you know, where were the other trucks going? Well, something along those lines, but it's not overly done. Like, he doesn't sound like he has throat cancer, basically. He's, he is changing his voice, but like I said, he's angry. He's, he, like, like, he just wants to beat everything up and he just wants to destroy shit. God damn. This was the greatest main event that I've ever seen from, aside from the Avengers movies, probably the best that I've seen of a Comic-Con panel like this. DC fandom did not disappoint. This was the perfect way to end the show. And that, my friends, is when we're coming to a close. Those are all the 10 points. I know I spoke more on some other things more than the other, I do apologize if there are a few panels that I forgot to that I forgot to mention. You know, shout out to the Sandman, shout out to Batman behind the voices of Batman where there are so many different languages that play as Batman. Fuck shit like that motivates me to do this. To become a voice actor, to 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 do this podcasting as a career, to 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 perfect my voice. And, and, and become maybe the next Batman or the next Robin or the, the next superhero. To be an inspiration. To be, you, you, to, to, to be someone that will be idolized for many, many years to come. You know, there were so many fun panels. There was the Batman Beyond, you know, with uh, old man Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis looking back on Adam West Batman from 1966 and they were mesmerized by the Joker's mustache that was painted white. I thought that was a great moment. Um, Ask Harley Quinn. That was a fun panel where people asked their questions. Um, 
you know, there, there, there was just so much going on. And like I said, I loved, even though some I paid attention more than others, it's fine. I loved every moment of it. And I really hope you guys did too. I really do. Well, that was clearly around way over 30 minutes. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, continue to subscribe, share, give it a thumbs up, share it to your buddies. Let's continue to make this podcast grow. Let's grab the YouTube channel. Let's shoot it up for the stars. Let's go into, you know, 100 subscribers. Let's share to everyone we know, your friends, your dog, your brother, your sister, everybody. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit me up on OTC Volume 2 on Twitter or Instagram. Or if you want to hit me up directly, same thing, Mike Garcia VO. That is Mike Garcia VO, my screen name for my voiceover work. With all that said and done, and I know we're over the time limit, but we cannot end this night without a supervillain quote of the day. And this one is from Black Adam himself. When you crush an ant beneath your foot, do you feel remorse? No. Is it because you are evil or because you recognize yourself as a higher form of life? This is what the wizard could not understand. If I have the powers of the gods, then am I not a god myself? And my reaction to that is this. I have no reaction whatsoever. That was probably one of the most bad line, badass lines that I've ever heard of in my life. A god is a god is a god. And if you feel like one, then you may be one. That did not make any sense whatsoever. Like I said, I barely have a reaction to it whatsoever. <laughs> it is what it is. It, this, this is just getting me excited to watch what Dwayne The Rock Johnson is going to do, what the JSA is going to do with the Black Adam that much more. Well, guys, it's been a hell of a ride. It's been a hell of a fun. Like I said, September 12th is part two of DC Fandom, where we will watch many of the TV shows and many of the other panels that was never presented to us. Hopefully, we can see more awesome shit that can be that. Oh, man. I, fucking hell, I'm excited. Tune in Thursday night where we will talk more DC comic book news, Marvel comic book news on fucking movies and shows and anything else. And remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, I talk about it. Take care, guys. Be safe. I'm done. I'm through. Peace out.